We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore. Joined, as always, with the Heartbreak Kid, Sean Nash, and Alex Giggity Giggity Gibson. What's up, boys? That You heard it right. That was me in the beginning of this. It's flawless. You all probably love it. We'll, we'll keep doing it, for sure, for you people. Chris, I've got two words for you. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome, Welcome back. back. Thank you. Off the fucking deathbed and back here with you guys. Appreciate all the prayers and all the... <laughs> the Undertaker coming yeah. back. All the prayers. It got me back to here. Uh, no, thank you very much, though. Glad to be back. It was uh, sad not recording last week, but I was genuinely so sick from COVID and tired and exhausted. And I don't even know what I was doing when you guys were recording anyways, but glad to be back here. Thanks for streaming this episode. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, give us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Please continue to support the show by sharing the podcast with fellow wrestling fans. Follow us at, at wrestling latest podcast on Twitter, and especially on Instagram. And finally, visit our website at WrestlingElitist.com. Uh, we genuinely want to thank you, too, for supporting and visiting the website as well. I told this to Alex and Sean before we, we recorded, but in 2022 so far, we've already doubled the number of unique visitors that came to WrestlingElitist.com uh, and already had more visitors in general than we did in 2021. So thank you for rating us. It's the best compliment you could possibly give us. Sean, uh, why don't you... Uh, foreshadow what the format of today's show is going to be my friend this week we all know some big things happen so we have to hit you with the news first then we'll we'll go into our normal match and moments and cringes and what we're looking forward to in the the next weeks to come all right so let's kick it off with the news of the week of course it being the forbidden door announcement of the pay-per-view that was tony khan's much hyped a surprise uh, i think we can all agree that that was a good reveal a dream show and dream pay-per-view um, but I wanted to kind of talk about it uh, with a couple of different bullets. So the first thing I wanted to hit you guys with, so your thoughts for the show, are you optimistic or do you think it's not going to meet these lofty expectations? I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I don't think as much as you were, right, Chris. You know, I think you and I had very different yeah. uh, reactions in, the, in our group chat, and we'll talk through that a little bit. Uh, I am going into it with... <clears throat> I'm, I'm excited about it because I, I love a lot of these wrestlers. I, this is something we've been looking forward to for a while. And I think that this could build onto in the future it being what we want. Um, but th- for the listeners, I guess the, the best way to describe it is you texted us after you said, let's, you know, let's talk about our dream bookings for these, for the show or, or, or what we think the bookings will be. And I think I said, do you mean dream matches or what'll actually happen? And, and you said like, well, I need you to differentiate there. And I'm coming into it with a little bit of a pessimistic view in that regard. I think that it's going to be a lot of tag matches. Um, there's not going to be a lot of one-on-one, like great, great NJPW, great AEW person. Um, I think I'm guessing that that's going to be the route they go because there, people are going to be afraid of having their guy look uh, weak. But I also think regardless of that, it's going to be a great show. And I think that Tony will deliver at least one strong match that we all probably really want. I think that that match will be, this doesn't necessarily mean that I think it's going to be the headline or anything, but I do think we'll get uh, Brian Danielson 
Shout out to Sean for his singing there uh, versus Zack Sabre Jr. Dream match. Dream match for sure. Um, wrestling fans, we all have like the the ability just to create the greatest card in our head and hope that we see it. And we're probably not going to see it. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a good show regardless, but it's not going to meet the the dreams that we have in our, our head that as soon as this announcement was made right there, that's perfect match for me. Brian Danielson, not doing this again. There you go. And uh, Zack Sabre Jr. would love it. Um, sure, we can get into a rabbit hole of dream matches, but yeah, this will be... This will be a, a great pay-per-view, I'm sure, this this year and this year. Yeah, I'm optimistic for it. Uh, I wrote on WrestlingLittus.com, hyperbolic high hopes for Forbidden Door. If you guys want to read about it, and you can get my thoughts there. But um, I'm optimistic that it's going to be a good show. Now, I think they have a uphill stream going to get or uphill stream uphill battle going against them and that the last what three pay-per-views were all-time great shows so that alone is going to make this show difficult to top but it is unique and different i love that aspect of it i think we are going to get yes we'll get tag matches because you have to fill out the show and that's just whatever it is what it is but i will guess that we're going to have some AEW versus New Japan top stars wrestling, especially if we've been getting it with the Owen Hart tournament. We've been getting it on the recent NJPW shows in America. I think they can't just do tag matches. They can't just put Okada and -and so-and-so against, you know, Danielson and Moxley or something along those lines. I think they actually will give us a big singles match. We'll talk about that later on. Alex, you had something you wanted to say. Yeah, it was just about uh, the one-on-one. I will say that I need to see in this some New Japan wins because it feels like every time a New Japan person comes in and it's there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of talk about the casuals, right? And how they don't know who any of these people are. And then every time Minoru Suzuki walks through that forbidden door, he takes the loss or, you know, now Ishii, same thing. You know, it's so I want to see more and more wins. Um from the new Japan side, not necessarily saying I want them to go over everything, but I just want to be mindful of that, you know? Okay. Well, it brings up my next question. So who needs this show more new Japan or AEW? new Japan? I, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's new Japan. I, I don't think AEW even needs it at this point. I think there was a time early on, you know, 2019, 2020, where this seemed like it was a thing that AEW needed to really prove their viability and everything like that. But I think we're, we're past that now. And, this is almost, it feels almost like this is Tony kind of doing this for the fans because he knows that we want it, but AEW absolutely does not need it. Yeah, this the most that this does for AEW is mend the relationship between the two companies, and hopefully we can get back to what was originally kind of thought of would happen when AEW came about, but totally AEW doing a favor to uh, our friends over in Japan. And I think AEW needs this last two because they already have a dream roster where there's so many matches that can be organically fresh each and every week. And New Japan does not have that whatsoever. There's not a fresh matchup in a main event in New Japan at all. Well, and look at it. How many guys right now that are in AEW are, kind? you know, Mox is the number one that you think of, right? That he's kind of also one of the top stars in New Japan. Yeah. And so... They're, they're already leaning on AEW right now for stardom. In the annals of time, this is going to go down. It's just a, a good favor we're doing, you know? You know you know all about that, Chris. I know a lot about annals and favors. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's go into the um, 
to the silly part here and let's do fantasy booking. I know everyone fucking hates that and it's annoying to hear, but whatever, we're just going to do it. Just just briefly here, we'll uh, break our self-imposed rule about fantasy booking. What do you want to see headline? What would be the main event that you'd like to see, Sean Boy? Um, I don't know. You brought up CM Punk. It's, it's obviously in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You, what do you do with him? I think he's someone also who doesn't need to main event on the card because he is Chicago's biggest son and could, could open the show, could start it with Kento, which I would love. But I think we're going to see Okada definitely take a main event spot. And I wonder if you just do it champion versus champion. You have him versus hangman. Just easy way to do it. You can keep both strong with some, maybe some outside fuckery. Osprey comes involved, but I think uh, big Okada has to be in there. And I would like CM Punk to do other things. So I'm not going to have him in the main event with Okada. What about you guys? For me, it's tough um, because I'm I'm struggling to figure out who I think that they would put, who AEW would put up against Okada that could feasibly win against Okada, and then on the other end, like could also feasibly lose. So you're not going to have, I don't think you're going to do you know champion versus champion, right? Hangman versus Okada, which that's not even really a, for me right now a dream match. I want to cheat a little bit, and rather than it being like the headlining main event, what I really want to see is Andrade and Naito reforming uh, an LIJ partnership to go against uh, Jericho and his Jericho Appreciation Society. I think that right now that that's kind of a a matchup that I'm most potentially looking forward to. Okay, well, you can't escape the question, though, Mr. Politician. Uh, What would you have as a main event? Jesus. Uh, Danhausen versus Yano. Oh, come on. on. (laughs) No, uh, I'll go. Okay, so... Um, are we going under the assumption that there's no Kenny Omega? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Then um, uh, I don't like this because it feels like that I'm saying that Chris might be right. Uh, but I guess I, I got to go see him punk and Okada. Damn right. Damn you. Damn you. Now, if Kenny was healthy, I think that would be a perfect time to have him wrestle Okada because it's a perfect preview for the uninitiated of what Okada and Kenny could be. Now, he's just coming back from an injury, and that could be very risky, and he may not have the physical tools to do it. I, It is going to feel weird. I put it in my article, and I'm not the first one to say this, but it's like RVD coming back to that one-night stand ECW pay-per-view and not being able to wrestle on it. It just feels odd to see Kenny not wrestle at the show, but if he's truly not healthy let him rest. Um, but I do want to see Okada and CM Punk in the scenario that I put out in my article. I think that would make the most sense. CM Punk wins the title from uh, hangman at double or nothing. It's in Chicago. So the crowd is going to hijack it in his favor anyways. And he's going to be the most over person. Um, and you have CM Punk win here. Okada can get his heat back by winning the G one. And then he can call a shot as a G one title holder uh, and say, he wants CM Punk and wrestle kingdom and he can go over, Punk at Wrestle Kingdom next year. That's my scenario where everyone looks strong and everyone wins. Because I think if you're so afraid of protecting everyone and making everyone look good, then it's going to turn into a shitty show. And then it is going to be a tag match with Okada and Shingo versus, um, you know, the Danielson and Moxley, which wouldn't be a bad match by any means, but it just isn't the one-on-one encounter you want to see. 
Cool. Okay, so let's go with what other matches you want to see on the show. Like, I know we'll see Danhausen and Yano. I think that's almost like said stuff. Totally. Yeah, it has to be. Um, <laughs> I what else out, do you want to see? I threw out in the group chat, uh, Hiromu versus Darby Allen would just be yeah. a, a fuck fest of holy, just who can top the other and craziness. Um, I don't know. Alex, you got something on the top of your head? Yeah, actually, if if Orange Cassidy's healthy, I that'd be a fun triple threat of Yano, Danhausen, Orange Cassidy. I think like th- there'd be quite a bit of opportunity for comedy there. Um, Throw Sonata think, in, yeah, and then uh, I think Mox versus Osprey two is my guess that that happens there. And then uh, I threw this out in our group chat, but I think the one that I'm really hoping we'd see is Miro versus Ishii. Yeah. Uh, I want to see Miro come back in general. And oh, what a banger that would be. So um, that's I think that those are some of the key ones. And obviously, I just mentioned that I, I, I assume that there'll be an LIJ alliance um, that involves uh, Naito and Andrade. And I, and I do think that um, that that would play well with the Jericho Appreciation Society. Where do you all see this this Jay White and Adam Cole thing going? Do you think they'll be tagging together against each other? I think they'll go against each other. You think so? Eh, yeah, I can see it. I could see it. When he mentioned it's still our era at the end of when he walked away with the announcement, kind of got me hoping we could see a little uh, former eras of Bullet Club people come back. But of course, they're all locked up in uh, WWE. But Gals and Anderson could come back too. That's true. And they could be That's on true. the Jay White side. Um, Divisive person alert. Maybe you do evil versus Sammy. (laughs) Both fan bases can shit on their own guy. No, but I think like evil will probably maybe be on the Jay White side. I wonder that he's got his own little faction inside. I think. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? The House of Torture. They hopefully just don't get on the card, really. But I don't know what you do with them because that's that's already fucked from. Yeah, I guess that is a good way, though, to get guys on the card because you have so many guys in stables where they can do, you know, a 10 man tag, eight man tag trios, you know, that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it is funny. We talked about this two hundred group chat and it's in the article as well. Like how many guys are calling their shots and are just looking to challenge people? And it's like, oh, come on, Fuego Del Sol is not going to go against Okada. I mean, I think even he made that joke on Twitter. But like, it's just funny. These guys that are just shooting their shot. And I think there will be some hurt feelings when they don't get on the show or it's not, you know, a featured spot. But um final dream match for me is that there's a built-in storyline there with kenta and cm punk uh, if he doesn't do the main event with okada's chris yeah. wants i think that's perfect you have the the battle for the gts i i don't know who who you have go over there but it would be a fantastic feud that's been kind of burning for years so many years late on that feud though but nevertheless all right well let's go into match of the week i think we all had different matches uh so sean let's start with you uh, mine was the Darby Allen defeating Andrade in the coffin match. It was a nice little way to end Dynamite. Got my blood pumping for what will later be my my experience at GCW. Um, again, Darby wins another coffin match. Just seems to be his thing. Hopefully this puts an end to the, the battle he's been having with either the Hardy family order, or the Andrade Hardy family order, Andrade family order. All of this has just been too much. Coffin match seems like a perfect way to do it. You had a kind of weird amalgamation of the 
the group with just the blade and Mark Quinn being out there. No Isaiah Cassidy, the butchers, obviously hopefully on a bigger and better things on his own, but just good to see Darby get the win. Uh, the slow entrance in the beginning, rather than riding the, the skateboard down cool little subtlety. Uh, I loved commentary selling the, uh, Andrade getting a like splinter with the first touch of the thing turns out full of, uh, tax on the bottom of there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Little, little addition there. Um, Sting being Sting. We'll talk about that later. The coffin drop that uh, Andrade countered to the outside with a suplex. Just he's so fucking jacked. The way he's able to catch. I mean, Darby Allen's probably uh, like hundred and ten pounds, but flying through the air like that, like a sack of potatoes. Awesome. Uh, and then he vertical suplex him out of the coffin, carries him back up the ramp, hits him there, hits him on the grates as well. Just fantastic. Good on. Um, What's his name? Jose really set himself apart from Alex Abrahentes. Just taking that shirt off, showing some muscles. He's not some pencil neck geek and fucking <laughs> the way he stomped on the, the coffin to stop it. Alex Abrahentes couldn't do that. So good on him. Um, and then Darby wins with the, the tope that he did to get him into the, the coffin there. Just brutal, man. He just it amazes me how much he just doesn't give a fuck about his body. And then Sting coming back just down from the, the back from the ramp, just like nothing happened outside of that um, in the stands there. Great, hilarious little moment. Like, oh, here to pick up my kid from a day at the park. Just loved <laughs> it. Got my blood pumping for my GCW show late in the week. So it was fun. What'd you guys think? Speaking of jacked, Jose, the assistant, I saw Ooh. when he popped the top off, I got excited for Chris because I know he's a fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and that was that. What a, terrible spot to have to take though onto those tacks and oh and yeah thrown i thought that the match was good it just felt like the ending was rushed i assumed that they were actually trying to hit a coffin drop at the end but like you you like it seemed like they're like we got to take this home quickly and um so i i felt like it was it kind of just ended abruptly and it felt like the Jose thing wasn't really necessary. Like it was almost like Jose was like, guys, I really want to take my shirt off on television. Can we get that spot in here? Just like that's how it. rushed it felt. <laughs> um, but otherwise it was good. Good to see Darby get the win. The coffin match is obviously his, uh, it's his Inferno match. His, you know, his, whatever uh, hits his WrestleMania is, is having a coffin involved. And so I, uh, Happy to see that he won, but even happier to hopefully see that this feud is over. Yeah, I need, move on. I need Andrade to go do something else at this point. For real. Um, I know a lot of people are really frustrated with like his booking so far. It's a little frustrating because we all know what he's capable of, but I also don't think that it's this isn't what it's going to be forever. And I think that's the difference between when I see a guy that's kind of slowly building up in AEW versus in WWE when they're not being used or they feel like they're being misused. Sometimes it just feels like they're in a little bit of a holding pattern because they have so much going on at the top. So they just need to give them something weird and, and odd, but it'll eventually come. And that's what I think will come with, with Andrade. I think we'll see him end up uh, getting some more meaningful feuds coming up. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you said that totally took me back to uh, when Miro came out, just that best man character for a little too long. Finally, we got the, uh, the redeemer or whatever he, he kind of went with, with his God that he's battling with for so long, but just hopefully we get the, the bright side like we did with the Miro TNT title run. 
And anything Andrade will get over if he's wrestling on a weekly basis or a quasi-weekly basis. That's the best way for him to be a star as opposed to him looking cool in a nice suit. He's going to get over by wrestling a lot because once everyone sees how great of a performer is, he's going to get over. And that's how he did get over in NXT. Um, He did have the help of Zelina and motivating him to get his shit together, but he's a great worker. So if he's working, he's going to look great in that uh, venue as opposed to just being a rich character, generic rich guy. Um, Alex, what was your match of the week? I went, uh, I went old school and uh, went with CM Punk versus Dustin Rhodes. And uh, I, I thought that that was a match that at any time in history, that match stands up. It wasn't a five star by any stretch, but that just, now that's a good match. In the 90s, that would have been a good match. In the 80s, it would have been a good match. Just two guys that know how to go out there and wrestle. And, um, you know, nothing too crazy that happened. But when when Dustin first called him out, at first I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I got excited about it just because I do know that he's been surprising in every time that he does have a kind of a big time match uh, with AEW. And then I watched the Road to Dynamite and saw that promo that uh, that doesn't kind of cut about why he you know needed to have that match and, and what it meant to him. And, yeah. you know, by the, by the time that happened, I was pretty invested. So for a heatless match, which I know upset, uh, I don't know if you guys heard um, Disco Inferno's take on the match, but uh, well, I'm sure it's as good as it. Booker T's and Bully Ray's. <laughs> but uh, I, the only thing that I'll say is the end of it was I don't need all the hugging I, I, I like the more of the, the like ring of honor, code of honor type of thing, like do a handshake or whatever. And then like leave the ring. I don't need the like, you know, like hugging and like whispering each other's ear about how much they respect each other. It's just kind of a little eh. for me. Like it just, I don't want to break the fourth wall too much about like, I get it that we all know wrestling's fake and, and everything like that, but it just, sometimes it, it goes a little too far to me. Uh, but either way that didn't ruin anything. Uh, I thought it was just a good match, you know, thinking about, uh, Dustin, you know, his, him hitting a code red, uh, on punk at one point, yeah. um, that, uh, the GTS countered into a power slam. That was a beauty. Um, even just the way that punk like early in the match tripped, uh, Dustin and got it, you know, made him fall out of the ring. Like that was, it was ugly, but it was like a, it was like a nice, ugly, like where it yeah. actually looked kind of bad. Uh, and just then also CM Punk's gear once again, just a little bit of a shout out to Bret Hart. I it's getting to the point where it'd be weird if he wasn't coming, but I did see a rumor that he's quietly signed a deal with WWE, like a legends deal. So no idea if there's any truth to that, but I also saw that punk will be on commentary this week during the FTR match. So which once again, there's the whole heart thing and those three. So it feels like there's something coming with that. Um, but what were your guys' thoughts on the match? Well, quick thing about the Hart stuff real quick. I um, I know that like Brett and Martha Hart, Owens Widow, do have some weird heat or not weird heat, but just a difference of opinion and vantage points and some hard feelings from way things were years ago. So I don't know what the standings are, if she's going to feel comfortable with him being there or not. I know the Hearts have a history of infighting the nicest way i can put it so who knows but i didn't know that punk was going to be on commentary for that match so it really kind of sets it up that he would be there but all right back to dustin um he's so much like his dad and that he can do nothing and just do everything 
but the basics. And Dusty was a terrible worker, but he was so fucking charismatic that it didn't matter. But Dustin is a good worker and he just doesn't do a whole lot, but just everything he does, he sucks you in. The way that he can do that power slam, uh, it's so fucking great. And like you mentioned too, like how he gets injured, how he fucks up, but he doesn't. He's such a master seller and he makes you really care about him. And like you mentioned too, the road to dynamite, those vignettes were so great and it showed you just rooted for him. It was like Terry Funk in 97 and the run up to barely legal. You wanted to see this old timer get his one last run and one last, uh, you know, moment of glory and Dustin can milk that so well. And he's been milking it for a decade now, but it's never annoying. It's never obnoxious. It doesn't have that bitter aftertaste. Like everything Cody does. He's a great, great performer. And, um, you know, maybe if he is ending his time, this was a good thing to end on. Yeah. Fun match. Um, the blue was a, a level of blue that I don't think I've ever seen on TV before. That was just almost, violent of how blue it was but i love them it was a fun match um the ending was cool it doesn't have to end in a gts and when he kind of just snuck out with a after the roll up the counter to the counter however they called it nice little nice little ending where they both can kind of just walk off after a, a good well done match it's baby before your time, but that blue was like that shade of those like Converse or Gak shoes they had in like the nineties. Oh, Gak. It was like, I mean, yeah, maybe. Okay. If references, I'm older, whatever. Anyways, I, moving on. My match of the week was Kyle O'Reilly versus Jungle Boy. Uh, I watched it again uh, this afternoon and it wasn't maybe as good as it was in the moment I watched it, but uh, I did like uh, Kyle O'Reilly working on the arm. I didn't know who was going to win this match. And then it had a unexpected finish with, uh, KOR dropping that top rope knee on Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy sold the arm well. He uh, didn't break psychology by doing super moves or which sometimes kind of happens with him where he'll take so much punishment and he'll get out of it. This would felt like a more naturalistic uh, bout and you know, kind of at large, I thought this whole week there was a lot of just naturalistic wrestling and there wasn't the super finisher, super finishers kick out at two finisher, finisher, finisher shit. It was very realistic for the most part. Like the main matches seem to have a sense of realism to them. Clearly you didn't go to the GCW show I went to. <laughs> so that's good. Good for, good for you. Keep that mentality. I'm sure they had so much realism there too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, like you said, the after going back and watching it again, I watched it again today. And it's just one of those things where Jungle Boy definitely just shines better in a tag match or a multi-man uh, match. So a fun match. I loved that Kyle O'Reilly got the, the win and will advance, but... His first well, singles win to an AEW, which is cool to see. Like, oh, I think yeah, that was his good. first one. And it's amazing how Jungle Boy can take so many losses and still be over. Still so over. And not over. have any problems. And he's, uh, you're never going to think as a audience member, like, oh, they're fucking up with him. Why is he jobbing? What are they doing with him? Like, he can just take a loss and still look great, which is an amazing quality to have. Okay, so talking about amazing things. Uh, Sean, you were a special guest at the GCW show. I don't want to say that because I <laughs> guest of honor, guest of honor from that show coming to find me to, uh, you should be like the Bret Hart ambassador at WrestleCon where you just show up and, and then leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been good. It would, no, it was, it was a fun time. I definitely enjoyed myself at my first, uh, like true GCW show. I guess I'm, I wouldn't really call count Bloodsport as a GCW show. Nothing. 
your life doesn't feel like an imminent danger as soon as you walk in. So great time. Uh, Suzuki was there. He came all the way back to Michigan. One of my biggest fears while we were in Dallas happened. So here he is. And you know what? I can confirm he finally got a win in America. Uh, nice. Too cold, too cold Scorpio is definitely very, <laughs> very cold. And uh, good to see him. But he, man, he was rough. rough Did uh, Too Cold light up in the middle of a match? No. No, he did not. But the fans did. No cares whatsoever. You know, your boy was there. Um, but just if, <laughs> if you had if you had to see it, you, no one gave a fuck because they were just lighting up and no no security, no nothing. Brett Lauderdale didn't give a fuck. Um, awesome show. The um, I didn't recognize. I'd seen him so many times before, but um, he's I think his wrestling name is Big Vin. Um, he was kind of handling like the the ring the ring setup for the most part. Set up a scaffold match in like thirty minutes. Great guy. Try to give him a uh, fist bump after his setup record time. Even Brett gave him a little compliment. No sold me the whole time, but still good for him. He did a great scary yeah, looking man, well. scary looking man, but fun time. Nonetheless, I uh, definitely was shocked when um, they start bringing out all the light tubes. They're like put up like a cross and you're, I'm just like, holy shit, just pain, pain after pain of glass and shit went flying into the st- to the crowd yeah so um, how close were you like how- i was there was yeah. probably like four rows of seating and then everything else is like standing room and you're put like right in like the middle of a pit that's no bigger than like 20 yards like just ring wall a couple of seats here and then a, a giant standing room above with a, a disco floor really cool but not nice. conducive to watching wrestling. Uh, we, me, a friend of the show, Bird, and his friends made it to the side where they had all the scaffolding set up for pre-match. Uh, perfect spot. Um, luckily, nothing came flying in our direction. I believe some people might have got like hit with something in front of us, but shit was flying anywhere. If you you need if you go to these shows and there's a stage, get stage seating. That that's probably your your best bet for safety. Seeing the whole thing because there's so much shit that I didn't see that happened on the other side of the ring. Apparently, someone I went to high school with got leaped on by Bandito off the stage. Do you guys remember that Yoya, the little Yoya uh, Asian man in the uh, like second match Bloodsport or whatever it was? I can't mm-hmm. remember who he yes. wrestled. This motherfucker jumped. There is a sign that says absolutely no stage diving. And he jumped off a <laughs> set of speakers that are on top of the stage, which I don't know height, but it was high up. It was near the ceiling. And he jumped all the way down to the fucking pit floor. And that was the first match. It, it, it got crazy. Uh, good to see Chris Dickinson, master of the fucking dragon screw move with the leg. Uh, ACH, haven't seen him in a while. Cool to see. Uh, Alex Shelley and Nick Wayne put on a great match. Nick Wayne seems to be like the the future of wrestling. With he's already got a contract with AEW, and he's like 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Um, great match. He was selling a selling a leg injury hard, walking up and down the stairs. As I was going to get some beers, he was probably drinking waters as an underage folk. But nonetheless, everything's great. Janela was selling something hard too. He had a great match with Bandito. Bandito came out in the all black Zoro look that we saw over uh, Mania weekend. Other than the light tubes, good. Uh, ending was deflating with a tie with the Briscoes and um, Second Gear crew. They uh, they all went fucking balls to the wall, going through tables, and then 
both put each other through a table at the same time. And that was the end. Classic Brett Lauderdale fashion, I think. So it was a fun time. I wish you guys were there, but uh, I'm, I'm lucky to have made it out alive of near <laughs> seven mile an hour drive in Chalmers. So if you like, uh, I was just going to say, like Lauderdale always says, you know, send the crowd home disappointed. So glad there. to hear that it ended in a time in a, in a draw. <laughs> Uh, what, so what was your favorite match of the show? Um, I got to say, because I just recall it more, I think I took a, a, a bathroom break during the Alex Shelley and Nick Wayne match. I think Dickinson and ACH was great. Um, Dickinson showed some love to ACH after their match, just like uh, Punk and uh, Dustin there. But uh, just... I, I love the Dirty Daddy. I'm, I'm so excited for him to finally get a New Japan run or that he's signed. Hopefully he gets an excursion off to the island soon. So that was fun. Um, definitely not my favorite was whatever the fucking death matches that were. I The amount of mercury. Was there anything was, as bloody as like Yuta from? Uh, this dude put like a light tube in another the other guy's mouth and... Uh. The, the, he, he's covered uh, just the whole time and, uh, uh it, there was a point where it looked like someone just like took a whole bunch of glass and like chucked it down to like the front row and like people were there <laughs> you just see like i you could see like ends of tubes flying into the crowd and i'm like ah you like this is worse than a fucking gallagher show this is hepatitis <laughs> and not watermelon juice it's probably hepatitis in those melons. I don't oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a sight to be seen. I'm glad I, I finally did it. We we tried before and COVID happened and then uh whatever happened with we not going to the last show. Finally did it. It was fun. I'd go again. I, I would like some security and some backup from YouTube, but we'll see. <laughs> one uh one more question. Was the was the god of this shit there? Did you oh. get to see Nick Cage? No, not at all. They had him like propped up right on the poster but not there and i was really sad nothing nothing had just just Minoru suzuki the murder grandpa so no pizza cutters to the app no 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 crazy uh yeah. weaponry other than light tubes and glass but thankfully yeah only light tubes to the mouth yeah yeah i'm glad that they kept it tame um <laughs> yeah i like the subtlety well uh i'll jump over to my uh moment of the week which uh not nearly as aggressive it was just getting to see uh, a classic, a classic Sting moment. Sting disguising himself as Sting in the crowd, God. and then uh, jumping off of a balcony. Uh, it's hard to believe that that guy's in his sixties and you know has been doing this as long as he has. This AEW run continues to be something that really cements his legacy. I think to you know our generation almost. Um, you know the the people who maybe not didn't get to see him like really truly in the nineties uh, when he was, you know, the crow originally. So it's been awesome to see it. I'm getting to the point where now I actually don't even know if I want him to feud with Darby at all. At first I always kind of assumed that that was going to happen at some point, but like, I don't, I don't want to see, I want to, I don't to just always be Darby's dad his his uh, father figure. Totally. Yeah, I I agree. I love that their pairing and partnership that they have, and 
they've done such a great job of selling stories with Dustin. I was like, all right, this is Cowboy's last dance and this one last go around and they can just milk that and do such a great job with it. I think they're going to do something special with Sting when he retires or when it's going to be his last match. They're going to do a great farewell tour with him and they're going to let him go with dignity uh, because he's had so much of a good run so far. Uh, That'll be a very poignant and moving um, last couple of weeks of television for him. Yeah, like speaking of dignity, the the run that it seems that he's been on is just light years better than the the run that the Undertaker was chasing the his last few years in career. It's kind of crazy to see that the difference between their careers of just him still being able to do it, being able to do wilder stunts than Taker was able to do in the the later years, and he's still probably going to go on for maybe a year, maybe two. So. Love seeing Sting. I, I can't believe how many times they can do this trope of him having a mask on of Sting. That's all the way dating so back to WCW good. in I the NWO it. days. And it's, you know, it's it's still good every single time. It's so stupid, but effective. I love it. <laughs> um, so speaking of nostalgia acts, so I loved watching Jake the Snake cut a promo with MJF. That makes so much sense to have him be the guy that uh, MJF doles out money to to be a weasel for uh i was waiting for these two to partner up and have some sort of on-air communication and some sort of skit or bit so it it was cool to see i mean it wasn't the greatest segment of all time jake's a little bit harder to understand these days and he was sweating profusely he looked like you know kurt angle at wrestlemania 34 for a second there but uh it was still cool to see jake and jake can cut a promo and it was great to see jake with just lance archer and not have dan lambert there and that experiment was thankfully ended so it's just jake and lance archer lance archer is actually a really good person to put in this kane in the attitude era role of like okay let's just make you face kane and he's the monster lance archer works so well with that too because he just does seem legitimately fucking crazy as well like he really plays that character well and he uh almost has like a bruiser brody kind of type charisma and atmosphere to him as well so i like uh his presentation and he can take a loss sort of like jungle boy and always be seen as a viable threat and a great contender yeah, I first of all, man, Jake is a sweaty, sweaty man. I, yeah, he is. If he ever got interrogated by the cops, everyone would just assume he was guilty instantly. It's, well, you'd assume he's guilty anyways, just based on yeah. his track record. <laughs> Good lord! Yeah, it just reminded me of like that scene from Get Out when his face is just all yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, I was really happy to see that Lance was no longer also with Dan Lambert. That's been kind of removed from the from the plot point. And uh, yeah, it was, it all made sense. I love seeing MJF do this. The only thing that sucks is it just, it's like, I don't want to see Lance Archer get like fed to or low the same way that um, the butcher did. So, which I believe that the butcher deserved it for that under the chin thing that he does. Somebody needs to, Somebody who loves him needs to tell him to stop. Just watch. We're going to be, we're all going to be doing that just like we are doing DMD. Well, we'll be there soon. I will, if you, if you ever catch me doing it unironically, I will also sing the intro and outro to the show for an episode. Uh, I'm here for it. All right. So let's get into cringe. Sean, what was your cringe of the week? I think, I think you should start it because this was definitely something you seem to be more, um, uh, hyped up for hyped up about. Yeah. So I was, uh, okay. So when I was on, 
COVID rest and just watching TV all day and just sleeping, I was watching just by happenstance Raw from 93. And it was where One Two Three Kid beat Razor, that episode of Raw. So that was kind of in my mind as I was watching the Jade and Marina match. And I was like, oh, shit, they're going to do that with Marina, where she's going to get the surprise win because Jade isn't taking her seriously. And in the pre-match promo with Mark Henry, she's not even looking at her phone. She's mispronouncing her name during the match itself. She's kind of, it starts off with her not taking her seriously and just kind of blowing her off. And then she just squashed Marina and it was maybe 80, 20 in terms of total offense. And I, a bold choice. I don't think it was bad per se, like rewatching the match. I just don't agree or get the, how, that played out like Marina, when you first see her uh, and we can go back to the experience at Bloodsport, it, it was the same sensation as Ronda Rousey's early days in UFC where that look comes on her face and anyone who's paying attention, your balls go into your body cavity and go, Oh fuck. <laughs> like she just has that look to her. And so I thought they'd be able to play off her charisma, but it really hasn't manifested in the match itself. While not bad. They had offensive maneuvers that were just kind of lame. Like, Jade did the abominable stretch, but with like the side nuggy to it, like didn't, you know, just did like that grinding nuggy thing that was kind of weird. And then like Marina's like, was just doing like the single leg lock and not really clinching it in and not doing like a viable MMA submission hold, which was kind of weird. Um, didn't show off her MMA skills. The, the red velvet Kara Hogan throwing popcorn on her and just kind of making a joke out of her. I thought that was an odd, move to and I thought they were going to get their come up in a bigger way um, until the very end I thought okay maybe she's just going to get one and surprise her but she didn't and she just got beat and the thing I wanted to throw to you guys is I mentioned in an article on the website about uh, almost being dead because a giant is not effective after they eat a loss and they're kind of aura's gone do you feel the same way with MMA rest or former MMA uh, performers fighters that become wrestlers it's like once they lose their kind of aura seems to be gone is that just me or am i overthinking it or do you kind of think the same way i i mean uh, brock lesnar is kind of different because of his starting wrestling and then going to but i mean i think other than ronda rousey it just it hasn't and probably won't work like we've had kane velasquez come in marina shafir um even like tyson fury's been in things and it's just jake hager jk oh, please he he's <laughs> trash but um you know he it's i don't think it's something that i want to see continue really i think it's not so much that they're dead in the water after a loss as too many people think that being a mma person is a gimmick or a personality so you see yeah. it especially i feel like when we see indie people like back when we were going to evolve shows in Livonia and they'd have like the first, you know, few matches with some random kind of, you know, local people or whatever, or a dark match. There'd always be that guy who was like his, their, you know, their thing was that they were, they took jujitsu in sixth grade. Yeah. And that doesn't really play that well because that that's interesting. If you make it a part of you, it's not interesting if you make it all that you are. And I think that too many MMA people do they, they lean towards making that who they are. And in those cases, only Ronda Rousey works. Only Brock Lesnar works. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that that's more of the problem. Like I personally, I know people are still clamoring for it. 
my worst nightmare would be a if I was a WWE fan, really, I would be seeing Connor at this point. Like, it's just that's ugh. who cares? Oh, McGregor. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And well, so he can't, I, yeah, he can't swear and he can't be his real cruel well, and self. Like, and yeah. even in the last few years, he has stopped. Like, he's trying too hard with his like, you know, what I mean, like his he was stick. a cool shit talker when like he didn't feel like he was trying to be Connor McGregor. He was just doing whatever he was doing. And now it feels like he feels like he has to up the ante every time and and it's just not as good he's tr- it's like when somebody like is told that they're funny and then they try to be funny all of a sudden in their own in their own head type of a thing sure it, that's how it feels with him and yeah I, I i could be done with uh anybody anybody doing that that mma shtick um i want to just preface there are some good mma i loved uh dominic garini uh who used oh, yeah. to do the evolve shows he he was somebody who I think when we first started seeing him was very much that like, hey, I know how to put people in arm bars. And then he kind of <laughs> turned it into like a real thing. I know he's in a, in a cool tag team now. Violence is forever. I've seen some recent stuff that they've done. And, you know, he's really made himself a well-rounded wrestler that also knows jujitsu. So long way to answer that. Yeah. Going back to that, that was my cringe too. Um you said it all pretty perfectly. Just deflating, deflating match to a a, a nice story build. I, I started to forget who was the problem and who was the problem solver and the the names gimmicks. It, I just, it just wasn't wasn't for me. Um, the way Marina's head just exploded that table. Uh, you would have thought that that would have been like, oh, maybe we're just going to wrap up the match because she's concussed. And they go into a weird knee bar position where after she's even hitting her with the leg, you'd think an, the MMA star she is, she would g- grab the leg that's yeah. hitting her. But then she just gets knocked out. And yeah, bad ending. You could see her clearly just wide awake, open, ready to take that uh, Beth Phoenix chair. chair. Yeah, whatever the hell. Uh, just, they, it seems like they cut out a bit of that match and it seems like that was a problem the whole rampage just it's crazy they still just didn't get anything good out of it yeah and let me be clear before i start my uh little diatribe uh this is a jade cargill podcast oh yeah 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 or baddies by baddies but uh jade did not sell very well throughout the match Uh, you know she was selling at one point and then just completely forgot as soon as she won that she had anything to sell Um, I think that the real problem here was that you had two people that are very green and there was nobody there to carry the match between the two. And so they're just, it it just didn't work out well. And then the only other thing I really have is I think that the plan may have originally been that Marina was going to win and then she had the sky blue match and just the way that she has that match was, ugh. and then, and that wasn't a push a T sound right there. Let's just be clear. Shout out to Coachella. It's almost dry. Um, but it just, it, I think that they changed course, which if that's correct, that's something I appreciate about AEW that they would have that foresight to change course there because I, I, totally I think Marina winning there. Yeah. I think Marina winning there with how bad the first match went and how bad that looked, that would have killed Jade. Yeah. And I, they, they have been building this feud really well on social media and they've been going at each other on social media and it felt like, okay, this is a cool thing. This is going to be a big match. And I knew it wasn't going to be Okada and Omega, but I didn't think it would be as like, ah, what the hell was that choice? You know? And it wasn't bad, but it just was like, it was just fucking odd. 
And I would agree. I bet maybe Marina was scheduled to win this um, because it would have been a shock and a surprise. And maybe that's why they leaned into that so much in the beginning part of the story of the match itself. Um, I can see why, too, why there was a lot of people in uh, WCW that was like, oh, let's have Goldberg lose or, oh, he can't have a streak forever because what do you do with him then? And I think maybe there's going to be folks in AEW that view Jade the same way. Okay, but what's next? Like, she needs to lose at some point so that you can have other storylines and plot points, which I get. But at the same time, you don't want to lose something that's so organic and working. She does have a great presence. She does look like a star. She feels like a star, even though the ring work isn't as great. Everyone still loves her. And this is a snobby elitist fan base where they shit on everything. And look how we treated Cody. <laughs> it's like, but the, the fans haven't turned on her. And you'd think they would because of the match quality not being a surefire five-star effort every week. It is interesting because I, I even fall into that category where, like, I don't love Jade matches, but I actually do. I You know, I make the joke that this is a Jade Cargill podcast. Not really yeah. a joke, of course. Uh, but I, I genuinely do enjoy her character, and I think that she can be good. I think it's because we could see that she works hard. Like, there's something... There's something that just tells you that she actually really wants to be good and she just hasn't had the reps yet. And, you know, they're they're building the plane while they fly with her. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but I think it'll connect. I'm not a fan of the whole streak thing, really. I think the only time it's ever been done in a semi-interesting way was Asuka. And the reason I loved hers was because the streak even counted when she was in the mix match tag competition or whatever with the Miz and seeing how much she cared about her streak. And there was a couple of times in that challenge where Miz almost took a loss and she was freaking out. And like, then she didn't even want him to have any time in the match. And I loved that little, that little part of it. That was cool. You got to see her caring about that. Otherwise, like, I don't know. I, I wasn't really watching when Goldberg had his streak, but it's not that interesting to me to even like go back and watch it, especially like this, the way that the, the squashes would happen. Baron Corbin had it in NXT. Remember he had a, I don't know if it was necessarily an undefeated streak, but remember they were, the fans would count for how long the match would last because it would only be like a 13 second match. Mm. Um, <laughs> there was a streak with that. Oh, those were the days. I don't know. I just, I, I care more about an entertaining match than seeing somebody as a monster or seeing them as uh a great, you know, or seeing them, you know, as some like unstoppable person. And I think Jade will get there. And I think that that's why I have a little bit of patience with it. Totally. Totally. Hopefully this doesn't uh, cancel our bid to be a couple baddies in Detroit. We're definitely still baddies. We just wasn't what we wanted this week. Can't take the baddie out of the boys. Um, Speaking of cringe, that was a stupid saying. Uh, but no, that was sweet. My <laughs> Detroit Batty Boys. It was almost as cool <laughs> as you watching Miz matches on the mix. <laughs> the fuck watched that? Going out of your way to get on YouTube. <laughs> Look at you. Oh, I didn't realize that you were truly elitists over here. Um, but <laughs> my my cringe of the week, Sean, you alluded to it a, a few minutes ago, was the the editing on Rampage. Um, I believe I saw a report that. Daniel Garcia versus Eddie Kingston went 22 minutes Oh shit! and they'd only got nine minutes on television. And then there's the piping crowd noise at all times and some other, like it's hard for me to watch. I, I actually have to watch rampage. I usually watch it now when I'm riding on my, uh, my bike 
and I'm actually listening to either music or the uh, the instructor because I, I can't I have to have the volume down because I can't stand hearing piped in crowd noise. It instantly takes me out of any wrestling show. And it's upsetting, though, because I also like the commentary team on Rampage when Jericho's not screaming his lungs off. So first of all, Tony, I think, needs to go back to the original format of three matches. Yeah. And then like one or two quick interviews and stop trying to cram so much into an episode. Let it breathe a little bit. And then I think that they they need to take away that fake crowd noise. It just comes off so fake and like you're afraid of people reject. I don't know. I don't, I don't, it's gross to me for some reason. All right. Two things. So the, the, uh, wrestling Twitter was joking about Excalibur squeezing in so much shit, uh, when he's announcing future shows, but that's what rampage is like. There's so many fucking segments for a 45 minute show. It's like, good Lord. Like I did like it when it was just three matches and you could let them breathe. And, that made it feel different than dynamite. And that was cool because you can still cater to hardcore wrestling fans, but you just give matches time to breathe. All right. Now about Daniel Garcia, I thought of this brilliant idea. So now that he wants to be a sports entertainer, uh, during the match, he did like that spot where he was like running on hitting Kingston's like chest. Like he was like doing like a barrel roll kind of a thing. I would love to see him of all fucking people do the worm. Just like yes. the guy with the most credibility doing that move. How <laughs> fucking mad fans would get from Oh my that. god. <laughs> I I would love that. Or like if every time he did something different, like I know the rolling thunder is a, a cooler move than the worm, but like just every time he just steals a some fake corny. Move. Yeah. Yeah. Like the mandible claw. He does something like that all the does time. Does the five knuckle shuffle. <laughs> five knuckle shuffle. Oh god. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, Rampage was definitely trying to put 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. Um, the only thing that you can't appreciate of the Jericho Appreciation Society this week was that Jericho wasn't on commentary. So that was nice. But yeah, otherwise, it's just the cutting of a good match because there's just too many, too many things. He didn't need to have Serpentico versus Lance Archer. Cut that there. Just it's too much, too much. Okay, well, what are you looking forward to this week? What's on your anticipation, Sean? Um, this week's Road to Dynamite will have a little preview or get a setup for the the Dax and Cash match. I think that's going to be fun. Just a little sit downs with them to to, to do this whole story. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great match. I I think with them being the people they are and the the matches they had against DIY, I wonder if we'll see some similarities between that match and them. Not the way things ended up in the end of all of that, but just a great match where two brothers go to, go to battle with each other. Just looking forward to that. I think there's a couple of good matches next week. Maybe we'll see some, uh, some other, some more hook stuff, Alex. Yeah. Um, just to kind of go in on, on your, your stuff right there for a second though. Uh, definitely looking forward to that match. And I like that Dax and cash are like, this is first time and only time. We're not, yeah. we're not breaking up. I'll retire before we break up. So I love, I love knowing that going into it, you know, that this, this match is going to be something special. And I think that, uh, there's going to be a lot of people clamoring for these two, to have a singles run after this. And, uh, it's, it'll, it'll be great. I, I have zero doubt 
once again, also having CM Punk on commentary is going to make it even more special. Um, and, and hopefully that means that Bret Hart is a little bit, a little bit closer to coming out into the sunlight. Um, my anticipation, then I'll, I'll, I know Chris, you have a similar one to Sean, but, um, my anticipation, I think that they're setting up a hook and Dan Howes an odd couple. That's the feeling I got after dynamite and rampage this week. They're not act, like, they're not actually going to fight. I think that this is going to be something to give hook a little bit of personality because how long can you go with this hook character the way that it is? And until you start to really consider putting him into like a, a main event type of a thing. So I think that, uh, you know, we saw on Wednesday, Dan Housen trying to curse hook yet again, didn't work. Then tells him that they're going to challenge. He's challenging him to a match. Hook doesn't care. And then on rampage, <laughs> you just see Strips Dan Housen crushing a bunch of chips on the ground and, uh, that getting hooks attention. Oh, so so I, I think that that'll lead to a, uh, my, one of my favorite odd couple tag teams really ever was uh, the original uh, was it the Alpha Academy, I believe was that, was that? or American Alpha, not Alpha Academy. Uh, when Jason Jordan and Chad Gable first got linked up in oh. NXT, oh. Chad Gable was was like a, just a super annoying guy that was going around um, like he is now. Everybody that is yeah going around uh, telling everyone that he was ready, willing, and Gable, and uh, and he got attacked put in a tag team with uh, Jason Jordan and they put on some classics in NXT uh, one that we could have been at for takeover Dallas, but uh, Sean and I didn't, or Chris and I didn't go. Um, I guess Sean and I didn't go either, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm looking forward to seeing what they go, what they do with that. And I know that odd or um, Dan Housen also just had his first match back uh, this weekend. So he was in a yeah. tag match in St. Louis. So Chris, I thought you were going to go with like an odd couple like Santino and Kozlov or whatever the hell that guy was. Kane yeah. and X-Pac. Kane and X-Pac. Book dust. I mean, so at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm all about work rate. So Yeah, yeah. I was like, that. they're to kind of organic. That's not that odd. They they were when the mat, when they like first got put together. And then I they like kind of. Yeah. Gable was really a goofy dude at first, just an annoying. And then like. Jason Jordan was like just, you know, the straight man type of a thing for yeah. sure. Well, I too am looking forward to Cash and Dax. I think that's going to be a great match. It's just funny how, okay, we talked about where the hell are they going to go? And I suggested doing like a Bear County match or just someone so they didn't have this pressure of having five star matches. And these fucking guys, they just added more to their plate and just added more anticipation and hype. And I think they're probably going to pull it off. I would be fucking shocked if that wasn't a four star match. I don't want to jinx it. I have a tendency to think. Every match is going to be a classic match of the year candidate, but I would suspect this is going to be very, very, very good. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. Uh, I don't know who the hell you put over here. Um, Dax has gotten a little bit more single shine than cash, but I think they're both capable and great. Um, so I don't know. I think it's going to be a hell of a match, though. I cannot fucking wait to watch it. I'll go on record, and I, I think Dax is yeah. getting the W here. Same, same. That's Dash need that well if there was a baddie section for ftr we would be wearing stashes for that show for sure homegrown oh yeah 
All righty. Well, that's going to wrap it up today. So thanks for listening. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, please give us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Uh, please continue to support the show by sharing the podcast with fellow wrestling fans. Follow us at Wrestling Latest Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. And finally, please visit our website at WrestlingLatest.com to get our latest match ratings and articles. Uh, last week, again, we had an article on the Forbidden Door. And this week, I'll finally post my article on that uh, five-star match section about Steamboat and Savage from WrestleMania 3. That's been a little bit overdue. Um, normally, we have Rick Rude sing us out. But certain someone uh, said a forbidden word and dead named Brian Danielson. So he's going to get punishment. And he's going to take a big L. And he's going to sing us out. Hit the music, Sean. Or you fuck it, let's do it live. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>